This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Yeah, I know. Hang on a second. I think there's someone following me. Yeah, I have my boat right here. I'll be safe. Call you back. Don't be a victim to a would-be attacker. Carry the Taser Bolt and stay safe. With one simple tap of the button, the Taser Bolt delivers a powerful, continuous 30-second volt of electricity without requiring you to hold down or touch the device, giving you time to take your attacker down and escape safely. Taser International will even replace your bolt upon sending them a copy of the police report free of charge. Get it now at pjsafety.com. While you're there, explore our family of non-lethal personal defense products to increase your defense capability and safety. Be proactive and get to pjsafety.com and choose from thousands of easy-to-use personal defense products right now. Tasers, stun guns, sprays, security alarms, and more. pjsafety.com. That website again, pjsafety.com. Your safety begins at pjsafety.com. This is David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Folks, what are you willing to do to save this republic? Welcome to the program. First of all, congratulations to the Villanova Wildcats for winning the NCAA National Basketball Championship. It's a great game. Later on in the program, I'm going to talk about the Republicans and the abortion issue. And I'm also going to talk about where we sit right now in the race for the GOP nominee for President of the United States. As many of you know, Wisconsin had their primary last Tuesday. And yes, obviously I voted. I'm not going to disclose who I voted for, like I said. I want the voters collectively to weigh in on this. We still have a lot of primaries to go. I don't think they need my influence at this point. Not that I have that much influence. But I was asked by all three camps for an endorsement when they came to Wisconsin. Some made a heavier push than others. I don't think I'm that big a deal. But apparently, in the political environment, you know, endorsements somewhat matter. They're just window dressing as far as I'm concerned. When I run my sheriff's race, I never use endorsements. I always say, because my opponents always rack up all these endorsements on the left, it's the Democrats that try to take me out in the primary. And so my opponents have always had this laundry list of endorsements, big labor, lefty causes, all these left-leaning politicians in the Milwaukee area at the state level, even Congresswoman Gwen Moore endorses my opponent against me in this race. common council members, mayors from some of the cities. I don't care about that. And my response to the media is always, the only endorsement I'm concerned about is one that comes on election day. When the voters of this county decide who they want to represent them in this office. And that's my real feeling about it. The stuff's just window dressing. I mean, just think back not too long ago when Chris Christie endorsed for, uh, endorsed Donald Trump. Where is that today? Ben Carson, even Sarah Palin, where is that today? And I can go to the other side too. Ted Cruz is starting to rack up some endorsements. 
He got the endorsement of Scott Walker when he came to Wisconsin. Scott Walker's a friend of mine. I decided not to get in, and I'm not going to at this point. I said, as I've always claimed, I will support the eventual nominee going into November because we're going to need a collective effort anyway. For those of you who, and you've heard me say, if you don't have a candidate, I mean, everybody kind of does right now, but I'm talking, I started this almost a year ago before this thing got underway. And I said, if you don't have a candidate, my advice, and I said, my advice, I give advice. I give orders rarely, not that it would matter to you anyway, but I said, my advice is let this process play itself out. Let's vet these candidates properly before you decide to weigh in. I mean, you know, this thing started almost a year ago, and Wisconsin primary was just last week. Why did I have to six months ago decide to, you know, on a candidate? That's just my personal opinion. Yours is different. That's fine. Those of you who are behind a candidate, good for you. But I also warned you that if you have to dismount, like you did if you were for Jeb Bush, Marco Rubio, Carly Fiorina, Scott Walker, and many of the other ones who have fallen off the map, I said, then what are you going to do? Cowboy up on another horse or another candidate? That's okay, but you know now it just becomes a, you know, an exercise in the flavor of the moment for you. And that's okay. But then I think your support lacks credibility. Because if you were for Jeb Bush, how the heck could you be for Ted Cruz today? How could that even be possible? Two people who are polar opposites. And that's what I mean by that. And and, and for, for Ted Cruz, and I've met, I've met, Cruz and Trump. I've not met John Kasich. But Ted Cruz happens to be a candidate of convenience right now for the GOP establishment. Who is the establishment? I think it's important to point out. You've heard me say that. The donor class and the party elites. He is a candidate of convenience because the fact is that the GOP as a party couldn't stand Ted Cruz six months ago, a year ago, two years ago. Could not stand him. Thought he was an annoyance. They thought he was an obstructionist. They accused him of grandstanding with his Tea Party mindset. Now all of a sudden there's this love affair. I think it's phony. They're using Ted Cruz to try to stop Donald Trump because it's their last best hope and that is to go into an open convention and then engage in some sort of chicanery or hijinks. And it may be legitimate for that party to do that. If they want to change the rules, they could change the rules. But it's going to leave a bitter taste in a lot of people's mouths because I always say this about rules. When there's a competition, I say, just tell me what the rules are. And then don't change them in the middle of the game. And I always say, I can compete with anybody. In this political landscape, just don't change the rules in the middle of the game. 
And that's what this will be. And that's why I said it'll leave a bitter taste in a lot of people's mouths. I'm not considering or I'm not intimating that they shouldn't be able to do that. I'm just saying it's, (laughs) it's not right. The rules are set. And what I'm talking about is this Romney rule that uh, they put in to ensure Romney's nomination almost four years ago, where they said you had to have won at least eight states in the primary to be considered for the nomination. That was to block certain people at the time who had not won eight states. I mean, how did they come up with eight? Just pull a number out of a hat? You know, there were... 50-plus primaries, because I'm including, you know, Puerto Rico and some of the, those, those areas. How'd they come up with eight? But they did. Now, they changed that rule at the time. And they could certainly change it again. But I'll tell you what. When you start doing things like that, people start to believe that the fix is in. I'm not suggesting the fix is in. I'm telling you how people view these things which obviously the GOP and the RNC are oblivious to. They're tone deaf to. They don't care what it looks like. They're going to do things their way. Those are the party elites that I talk about. They control the process. The donor class controls the process. It's the way this thing works. But here is something I think that is very telling about this whole environment, and it's why people are revolting right now inside the GOP. Not too long ago, this week, a couple days ago, there was an interview with the local talk radio show host, Charlie Sykes, WTMJ Radio, and Reince Priebus. And we're going to talk about that when we come back. The Blaze Radio Network, on demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. Find more on demand at theblaze.com slash radio. Jay Severin. What will chill your blood is that the instant this photograph was taken, two of these three men knew they were taking their last steps on earth in order to murder as many innocent people as possible. This captures the final moments of somebody's life, and somehow it's all the more grotesque that it's the bad guys. Jay Severin. Weekdays, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern. On the Blaze Radio Network. So we're talking about the current state of the GOP nominating process. And before we went to the break, I said I wanted to talk to you about something that Reince Priebus, who's the RNC chairman, something he had to say in an interview with a local talk radio show host, Charlie Sykes, here in Milwaukee. I just want to give you an idea of the mindset of the party elites, and he's a party elite. And and the disconnect, the total disconnect and disdain that these party elites have for the grassroots, you the voters, you the people. And I don't see this on the 
Democrat side, the DNC. They don't do this to their constituencies. But here's a, just part of an interview. And I'm reading here from Wright, Wisconsin. An interview with uh, Reince Priebus. And here's what he said. RNC Chairman Reince Priebus told Charlie Sykes Tuesday morning that those voicing frustration or concern with the Republican Party over its delegate and convention rules can sit down. Quote, by the way, this is a nomination for the Republican Party, Priebus said. If you don't like the party, then sit down. The party is choosing a nominee. Do you believe that? To me, it's not shocking. But that, that, that he and others would actually voice this to you, the voters? Now, look, the majority of people that vote in elections, in these partisan elections, do not belong to the political party. The majority of voters that vote for the Democrats do not belong to the Democrat Party. They're not members of the party. They're not dues-paying members of the party. Even at the local level, they're not. But they vote Democrat. The overwhelming majority of people who vote Republican in elections, in partisan elections, do not belong to the party. I will be voting for the GOP candidate for president in November. I will be voting for Senator Ron Johnson to be reelected Republican. I voted for Scott Walker for governor Republican. I do not belong to the Republican Party. So my my point in saying that is they want our vote. They want our money. You've heard me talk about that. I said, stop sending the RNC money. Give directly to your candidate. Because this is how the party treats you. This is what they think. This is the arrogance within the RNC. To actually tell people, if you don't like the way we're running this thing, we're going to decide who the candidate is, sit down. If you don't like the party, then sit down, he said. That's in quotes. I could play you the audio, but it's 11 minutes long. I don't want to do that to you. So they won our vote, but other than that, they're their money. You heard me go over that survey, and then at the end, it asked for money from the RNC. What's important? I said, you don't know? You have to ask me? Didn't 2014 tell you anything? What do you mean, what do we want? We want this country to at least somewhat represent the republic, the, the, the republic that it was Meant to be. A constitutional republic, that's what we want. We want limited government. We want less spending. We won't want an omnibus package that increases spending. We want an adherence to the rule of law, respect for the rule of law. We want military superiority. We want our borders protected because we are a sovereign nation. They have to send out a survey. The reason why they had to send out a survey is because they don't listen. And even when we tell them, they don't get it. So we're told to sit down if we don't like it. I'm telling you right now, the DNC does not do that to their constituent groups. 
They didn't tell the pro-gay marriage movement to sit down. They don't tell the anti-gun people, and that doesn't poll well in elections, but they don't tell them to sit down. They don't tell the pro-abortion constituency, yes, the people who support murdering babies, they don't tell them to sit down. So we have RNC Chairman Reince Priebus telling us to sit down if we don't like it, that they're going to choose the candidate that we will vote for in November. I'm telling you right now, if they continue along this line, start saying this to yourself. President, Mrs. Bill Clinton, because they will not win this election. It happened in 2012. Four million registered Republicans did not vote for Romney. They sat it out. They may have voted in a down ticket in their local elections, didn't vote for Romney. They didn't vote for Obama. They didn't vote for Romney. And it cost them. Romney lost by 2 million votes. And I don't know what states those are in. You have to look at it that way. But Romney lost Florida. Romney lost Virginia. Romney lost Ohio, Pennsylvania. Some of those are swing states. Pennsylvania is not really a swing state, but some of them are. I don't know how many of those 4 million resided in those states, but they didn't. They sat it out, and they'll do it again. And I don't know if the RNC is, is wants to engage in a game of chicken, but they're going to lose that game of chicken. Because there's, if you just go by Trump's number, 35 to 40% anywhere in there, of the people who intend to vote GOP or probably, for the most part, do, that are done with the status quo. They're done with the party elites and the donor class controlling the process and telling them who their candidate is going to be and who they'll vote for. So Reince Priebus tells you to sit down, but in November he wants you to, he's going to tell you to come on out and make sure you vote. This is the most important election of our time. And if you don't want... Uh, Mrs. Bill Clinton to be president. We don't want to hear that stuff. We want to be heard. We want to be listened to. And not in one ear and out the other either. Because that's the listening that goes on within the donor class and the party elites right now. In one ear and out the other. I just let me say this again in quotes. If you don't like the party, then sit down. The party is choosing a nominee. Well, who's the party? The party, Mr. Priebus, who's a friend of mine, but remember there's no sacred cows on the people's sheriff. The party is the voters. The party is the people. The party is the grassroots. Because sure you need money. But in the end, it's the person that goes in. On election day or if they early vote, whatever, figure speech, and turns that lever or punches that hole for that nominee, that's who matters, right? Not the party. The grassroots matter. The people matter. And the sooner you get that through your heads, the better off you're going to be. Because if you think this is all of a sudden everybody's going to coalesce around somebody 
after you told people to sit down and shut up. You have a distorted view of reality. Because like I said, 35 to 40% of the people in this party have said that's not going to happen anymore. I'll have more to say about this when we come back. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss Pat and Stu. I'm saying it's great. But you almost said that like you didn't mean. No. no. Don't read into what I'm saying. Take, right. it, take it exactly for face take value. Take it right at face value. Yeah. I will. All I right. really like Jeffy. We'll take it for, at its face value. Don't, don't try to read in all evidence. Don't try to read into sarcasm. Oh, that's okay. definitely not true. What's uh, not true? What? Nothing. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to David Clark, the People's Sheriff. So now that the Wisconsin primary is over and Ted Cruz proved victorious, I'll give you a couple observations here as I watched it from up close. Ted Cruz, Senator Ted Cruz, out-hustled Donald Trump in Wisconsin. And I don't care whether you like that statement or not, that's what happened here. He had better organization. That's what happened. And... I hope like Iowa, and I only hope because, like I said, I don't have a horse in this race. So when I say I hope Donald Trump learned like he did from Iowa, you got to work to win the nomination. No one's going to hand it to you. You're going to have to work, and you're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to have good organization. You're going to have to have a clear message. And you're going to have to have the, the, the discipline to communicate and articulate that message. I didn't see that so much this past week, or two weeks, really, out of the Trump camp. But I'm not one of those. I know all the blowhards and talking heads now are, they're, they're, once again, once again, didn't, didn't learn last time, they're shoveling the dirt on top of Donald Trump, burying him, oh, it's over. How many times has this guy been deemed by the media elite to be finished? He's through, he's done. Mainly because these people are so blinded. The media elites, the political elites, the talking heads. By every small movement within this process, they view as this, you know, some seismic shift, when it's not. It's another state primary completed. That's all it is, and it's heading into New York now, and some of the other states. And and I'm hearing things like, wait, how can this be? This is, these two things are mutually exclusive. How can somebody say, and this is what they're saying now, It's a mathematical impossibility for Trump to secure the 1,237 delegates he needs for the nomination. It's a mathematical impossibility, but then they say he needs to win 60% of the remaining delegates. Well, a percentage is a mathematical calculation. 
And if it's a mathematical impossibility, then he can't have to win 60% of the remaining delegates because that means it's mathematically possible. It may be unlikely, but it is mathematically possible for him to do that. That's called propaganda. It's trying to plant into people's minds. This can't be done. I, I, I better uh, look for a, a, a lifeline here. I just get tired of it. Every time, every time the smallest thing happens, like when Donald Trump stumbled on the Chris Matthews he walked over an IED. But I don't think that that was fatal. And I heard, and we're going to talk about that in the final segment. You're going to have to stick around for it. It's going to be good. We're going to talk about why the GOP continues to run from the issue of abortion. But I want to get back to this this race right now, and and we've lost focus because the objective here is to defeat Mrs. Bill Clinton. It's not to make sure that your agenda or your self-serving purposes are met. You know, it's Trump or nobody. It's Cruz or nobody. It's Kasich or nobody. It's the GOP or the RNC or nobody. It's the rules. That is not it, folks. We've lost focus. We should be talking about Benghazi. We should be talking about the Secret Server incessantly to paint and label her as corrupt. Because she is. To paint and label her as untruthful. You know, in the polling... A majority of Americans consider her to be not trustworthy. That's huge. What, are we going to wait till September to start beating that drum? They're already beating the drum about the Republicans right now, the, 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 the Democrats. Every day. They realize that the real objective is to win the White House. By any means possible. Some people don't like that statement. But that's my attitude. We have to stop Mrs. Bill Clinton by any means possible. And to me that means, what do I mean by that? Whatever candidate. I don't care. There are some candidates in this race I'm not real fond of. I mean, not anymore. It's whittled down to three. I'm not real fond of John Kasich. I don't dislike him. I think he's too much of a bureaucrat. He's a Washington insider. Not much is going to change. He claims, I know all the levers and I know how to... I know that's the problem. The process is broken. Start dismantling Washington, D.C. Don't try to fix it. Don't try to give it a tune-up. Dismantle it. And I don't think John Kasich will do that. That's my problem with him. Not a personal hang-up. Yeah, he said some things disparaging about a police officer that he brought up three years later. After he got a ticket, he called the, 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 the cop an idiot and said he was rude and, and it was anything but because there's video. I didn't like that. And I've said, you've heard me say this time and time again. You attack the police. I'm going to come at you and I'm going to come after you with the ferociousness of a junkyard dog. I'm not going to let you do it and I don't care who it is. 
If the cops need to be spanked, I'll spank them. That's what I get to do as a law enforcement executive. If we're wrong, I'll say it. You've heard me talk about it on this program. But we've lost our way. You know, Ronald Reagan, he called it, in 1964, in a speech he gave, he gave, he called it a time for choosing. And he said, quote, you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Will we preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth? Or will we sentence them to take the first step into a thousand years of darkness? That's what we're looking at here. With this assault from modern liberalism to destroy American exceptionalism and to destroy this lawfully constituted republic. And they do it by attacking the institutions, which are the pillars of this American culture, which are the pillars of this constitutional republic. The Supreme Court nomination is coming. These are the things that are important, folks. This is not about Ted Cruz. This is not about Donald Trump. This is not about John Kasich. This is not about the RNC. It is not about the GOP. It is about freedom, liberty, the Constitution, American exceptionalism, preserving our borders, our sovereignty, adherence to the rule of law, military superiority to protect this nation. These are the things that it's about, and, and not we're not hearing a lot about that. Because we lost focus. We've made this personal. Even the supporters of whatever candidate within the GOP or the conservative movement were engaging in cannibalism. Because we lost focus. We need to refocus so that we don't enter into that, you know, as Ronald Reagan said, a thousand years of darkness. We come back, we're going to talk about why the GOP should not run from the abortion issue. David Clark, the People's Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network. Buck Sexton. I can't even tell you. I was, I was, uh, I even did an interview for a, for a show over there that was taped, and they did not run it. And I think it was because I was so strident in my saying that Chattanooga was obviously terrorism, and anybody who claims to be a counterterrorism expert and says otherwise is either trying to curry favor with the administration and the Democrats and the left, or isn't a very good expert. Buck Sexton. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network On Demand. David Clark, the People's Sheriff. In the final segment, I want to talk about why the GOP continues to run from the abortion issue as an election issue. And they've done it for quite some time. They think it's an annoyance. They think it costs them elections. They think it costs them support of the voters. It doesn't what the polling says. You know, the Democrats don't do this. They don't run from the fact that they support the murder of babies. They don't run from the fact that they support an obliteration of the Second Amendment. They don't run from the fact that they support some very fringe factors out there. Factions, I should say. So, once again, 
Last week, Donald Trump, Chris Matthews, it was an IED. He walked right over and right into. I'm going li- to listen to a, a follow-up commercial that played in Wisconsin. The latest from Donald Trump. Do you believe in punishment for abortion? Yes or no, as a principle? Uh, the answer is that there has to be some form of punishment. For the woman? Yeah, there has to be some form. It's outrageous. Hillary Clinton. Donald Trump said he'd punish women for choosing to have an abortion. He'd make it a crime, turn women and doctors into criminals. The sad thing is, he's not alone. All the Republican candidates want to dictate women's health choices. And states all over the country are defunding Planned Parenthood, shutting down clinics. It's happening here in Wisconsin. I've been fighting to protect this right for decades. I'm proud to have the endorsement of Planned Parenthood Action Fund and NARAL. Donald Trump may not understand, but women have the right to make our own health decisions. I'm Hillary Clinton, candidate for president. I approve this message and hope you'll vote on Tuesday. There's so much at stake. Paid for by Hillary for America. So there you have it. Two days after Donald Trump stumbled over that issue of that hypothetical question about abortion, Mrs. Bill Clinton runs ads in Wisconsin on conservative talk radio shows. Criticizing him for that and wrapping herself around the fact that she is supported by Planned Parenthood and other organizations like NARAL. She embraced their endorsement and support. Why is it the Republicans don't embrace the Tea Party? Why don't they embrace the pro life movement? Like the Democrats do their constituencies, no matter how small or how, you know, along the margins it might be. And all I heard, you know, after the Trump interview, all I I was hearing on, you know, from all the talking heads, the blowhards, oh, this is horrible. Oh, they woke up a sleeping giant. Oh, we had this issue packed away in the closet. We didn't need this right now. Yes, you did. Tired of you people being afraid to have these fights. This pro-life movement deserves us to engage the left about for a number of reasons. And yet, we sit here and we want to kind of like, shh, don't talk about that. Keep quiet. Sit down. You're going to make it difficult for us. Pro-life movement ought to think of breaking ranks with the GOP. I don't know where they'd go. But they get treated like a red-headed stepchild by the GOP. We need this fight on abortion. This is a winnable fight. This is a winnable issue. Why do I say that? Because of a recent Gallup poll. This isn't the only one out there. This is trending, by the way, in this direction. 55% of Americans want all or most abortions made illegal. 55%. A new Gallup poll finds a majority of Americans oppose all or most abortions, even though some Americans who technically take a pro-life position opposing abortion, wrongly think they are pro-choice on abortion. But do those labels on abortion actually mean Americans are pro-abortion? It turns out the answer is no. As Gallup confirms, a majority of Americans oppose all or almost all 
abortions. When asked when abortion should be legal, 55% of Americans oppose all abortion or say abortion should only be legal in a few circumstances. Okay, and they define that as rape, incest, that sort of thing. Since those cases constitute at most only 1% to 2% of all abortion cases, Gallup numbers confirm 55% of Americans oppose 98% or more of the 1.1 million abortions that take place annually in the United States. It's a winning issue for the GOP. The heck is wrong with them? The poll makes it clear that even 27% of those who call themselves pro-choice actually take a pro-life position wanting all abortions illegal or abortion legal in only the very rarest cases. Just 9% of people who support unlimited abortion wrongly call themselves pro-life. Today's poll is consistent with other Gallup surveys, such as a 2013 poll showing 58% of Americans oppose all or most abortions. Other polling data confirms that even when a majority of Americans call themselves pro-choice on abortion, they strongly support limits on abortion. I mean, my God, Mrs. Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, they support partial birth abortion. Delivering the baby halfway through, you snap its neck like Dr. Gosnell was doing. Do you know how crude that is? How vile and disgusting that is? They're not afraid of it. They're not afraid to say they, you know, and, and of course they, 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 they play the word game and they call it women's health care. It's not women's health care. You're murdering babies. You're cutting up their parts and selling them on the open market. By the way, this survey also points out that an overwhelming majority of Americans don't support federal funding, yet the Republican-controlled Congress continues to fund Planned Parenthood because they are afraid. Because the left attack, oh, you're against, you're war on women, you're against women's health care. The public is telling them, we don't support public funding for this. And yet they do it anyway. Why are we afraid to have these fights? Because the GOP doesn't like to fight. They like white glove affairs. Okay, blue blazers, bow ties. I'm not against bow ties. I like them. I wear them. That's what they like. They don't like bare knuckle, brass knuckle political fights, bloody knuckle political fights. They don't like it. But this is a winning issue. And they should be running on this issue. And they should be running strong and making it clear instead of tiptoeing around. Afraid they might upset some phantom constituency of independent people out here. By the way, this survey didn't just poll conservatives and pro-lifers. It's an over 50% majority of Americans. What are we afraid of? We should embrace this pro-life platform. Talk about it. Bring it out in the open. Show them the ugliness of abortion and Planned Parenthood and NARAL. Show them the 
the gore, yes, the, 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 the ugly stuff. Because it'll incense Americans. They'll say, this is not who we are. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have time for. Follow me during the week on Twitter, at Sheriff Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E, and at thepeoplesheriff.com. God bless you. David Clark, The People Sheriff, on the Blaze Radio Network.